and welcome to the Center Pass podcast brought to you by Netball Draft Central. My name is Jared Gardner and I'm joined as always by Taylor Malky and Sophie Taylor. And Netball is back. The ANZ Premiership has resumed and Taylor, it was a big week uh, to kick off and a few close ones, but one big blowout in the ANZ Premiership. Yeah, that's pretty much hit the nail right on the head. I think once again, we see that the Central Pulse, uh, the front runners in the ANZ competition, they completely blew away the the stars in that game, and it was an impressive performance. You wouldn't realise that they've had you know two two and a bit months off in isolation and not playing together, which was the kind of scary part for I'd say the rest of the competition. Yeah, exactly. Already Premiership favourites going into this resumption and just kind of stamping their authority already. Sophie, in the other three or other three games, it was pretty close and some great netball being played by some silver ferns plus some up and coming young players in the competition. Yeah, I'm just astounded by the wealth of talent in their attack. All of New Zealand, their their attacking players, especially their goalers are really, really impressive and they're so young. There's quite a few that they were saying were coming up through the um, pathways and have stepped on court as a replacement player just for quarters here and there and have made an impact. I think Australia, sorry, are definitely going to be in for a huge, huge strife when these young New Zealand uh, goalers especially get out on court in their eventual Silver Ferns outfits because you just see the way that they dominate at this domestic level and it's kind of a very scary prospect for what is to come. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where we, we look at the Suncup Super Netball League and we say, oh, like, it's great we have world-class world-class players across the court for really every team. But when you do look at New Zealand and the ANZ Premiership competition and even you go over to England when they have their competition running, it, it's, it's better for them that they have these young up-and-coming players playing most games, most weeks and playing a lot of court, or getting a lot of court time. So I think it, it's it's great to see this happening over in New Zealand, but then how do we translate this into Australian netball and get our up and coming players? Because we know that there are players coming through those pathways who have got the talent, but how do we get them into the same position as what New Zealand is doing? Yeah, and the difficult thing is that when they do get up to that top level in domestic in Australia, they then don't necessarily get the game time. So yeah, they're getting the training time and that's fantastic. And especially those of them who are maybe getting a quarter here or there, but at the end of the day, they're not getting that consistent match play and that's really going to hurt Australia in the future. I couldn't agree more because I think this conversation will continuously come up. And I think last year we saw, I think it was Lisa Alexander come out and say, look, you know, we, we, we are glad that we get so many players come over here. But it's also, it's going to hinder the development of Australian netball. And you're already seeing that. Like we keep stressing, the ANZ Premiership is a great platform for their young stars to come up. And if you just look at the statistics when it comes to shooting, the top three goalers who have all scored like over 80 goals or thereabouts in the ANZ Premiership are all, I think, under the age of 22. That is a ridiculous it's, prospect, and yeah. that's so scary. And people don't realise just how talented these players are. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a scary sight in, in the coming years when we see these players take the international stage and then coming up against Australia. But it, it is a conversation that will continue, I think, for years on end when we've got we've got this great competition in Australia and we we love having the world's best netball competition. But is it harming? the Nepal Australia, the Nepal Australia pathway for these young players. So it's going to be an interesting one and it's going to be one we'll talk about for years on end. But uh, we will get into the ANZ Premiership as a whole now and round two, obviously, on the weekend. 
And it started off with a game on Friday night and it was the Mystics who got up by seven goals over the Magic. And uh, they kind of just... I felt like they, they kind of dominated this game from start to end. I think the Magic were kind of always kind of in in the match, but never really looked like overtaking the Mystics. And I think that really showed. I think they were probably a step off the entire game. You could see that the intent was there and that their game plan was there, but they just couldn't execute it to that high quality that they probably would have liked. And I think in the end, the Mystics just relied on that strength through their midcourt and their really strong defensive unit to just push through and... When you look at the the shooting aspect for the Mystics, once again, I will harp on this time and time again, the fact that Wiki is just so ridiculously strong up against the likes of um, Erin Makari, you just have to consider that the amount of experience Makari has and then the lack of experience Wiki has, and she still managed to get 41 goals from 45 attempts. That's a huge reason why the Mystics were such a dominant or are going to be such a dominant threat this season. Well, one thing that really caught me in this game was that, yeah, the Mystics were fantastic, but the Magic were really inaccurate. And a lot of their feeds were kind of going every which way. They couldn't find a lot of consistency there. I mean, you look at the shooting stats in that match. I mean, Wiki 41 from 45, just phenomenal. And then you have um, Kelsey McPhee and goal shooter down the other end with 26 from 38. And she was doing a lot more shooting from distance. And obviously that's a very um, New Zealand shooting style they do shoot a lot of long bombs but that inaccuracy was a real issue and I mean if she had shot those extra 12 goals who knows what have could have what could have happened in that game yeah exactly it's one of those things where it's it's great to have that long range shooting in your game and, and if a defender does push you out you know you have the confidence to go in and make those shots but when you do start to miss a couple and it does start to play in your mind, you, um, I think it just does, it will play on her and, and then she does end up shooting 26 of 38 for the match. So it, it's kind of a disappointing way to start and you can excuse these players for missing a few when it's their first proper game back in, in a couple of months. So um, I, yeah, I just think as you've been pumping up Grayson Wiki for probably over a year now. I think yep. ever since she <laughs> came into the ANZ Premiership, um, but yeah, she's just an absolute. She's going to be an absolute dominant force for years. In this and that's just it. I think the fact that she can just take the ball so strongly, it literally didn't matter where they threw it to her. Bam, she just right up there, reeled it in, easy as you like. She was just really confident, and I think that that's something that's really hard to channel. Channel, especially at such a young age. Yeah, sometimes you know you go out there not knowing what to expect. But now this is her second season, and she's even stronger than before she's more confident and the fact that she's just taking that attack end and saying okay I will control everything there's no Bailey Mez no worries we've got Xavier Tui coming in and Asher Grapes that are both also still young and the fact that Wiki is kind of just going I'll just I'll absorb the pressure you guys do whatever you need to do that's fine but I think Soph you were talking about how good Peta Toava was she was phenomenal in that attacking third. Yeah, absolutely. She just zipped around. You almost couldn't see her because she was just in like five places at once. Um, yeah, she was so impressive. She racked up the 27 assists and her placement of the ball to Wiki, like you said, anywhere that the ball went, Wiki was there. And that was a real testament, not only to Wiki, but to Ava for being able to place that ball so perfectly. But the other person in the midcourt I wanted to mention was um, Taylor Earle. Yeah. in center for the Mystics. She was really, really impressive. She racked up the four intercepts. She 
put so much pressure on the magic attack because she was just able to easily get hands to ball and she was able to do that so well because of Tawava's dominance in the attacking third. She didn't have to worry about assisting because Tawava was there. So she was able to put her entire focus on that back half of the court. And she was just really, really impressive. And then not only because of that, because she was so strong defensively, the likes of Phoenix Karaka and Sulu Fitzpatrick were also able to kind of sag off, go grab that intercept or, you know, apply that extra bit of pressure, but also play with that sense of freedom so that if they wanted to go out hunting, they could because they at least knew Earl was covering like circle edge and thereabouts so I think that was just it was a really really good game to watch and it's a a very exciting thing to see what the mystics can do clearly the magic weren't as strong as they would have liked and I think we touched on the fact that Georgia Marshall still is back over in Australia she may not have gotten court time she didn't in the first game of the season but that's still something that they are kind of trying to figure out new combinations and things like that yeah, it's going to be an interesting one going into the next couple of weeks. The Mystics move to uh, 2-0 and on the season, so a great start to them, and they'll look to keep that going next weekend. Uh, the second game of the round was the Tactics up against the Steel, and it was the Tactics who came out on top in this one, 43-36. Bit of a lower-scoring match, but uh, an impressive win for the Tactics nonetheless. I think it was a very defensive game on both behalves, because when you look at the Tactics, they have the likes of Tamalisi Fakahakatao and then... Jane Watson so of course that's really where their strengths lie in that defensive unit the fact that the two of them can just go out hunting and get so many intercepts and apply so much pressure that in the end it kind of suffocates that attacking unit and I think that that really showed in this game yeah I agree I I that being said like I will say Khalifa McCollin it was her I think it was her second game yep. I yeah yeah second she played the first round yeah um, she was really, really impressive. She ended up shooting 22 from 27, which was 11 goals more than her goal shooter in Jennifer O'Connell for the first half. And uh, McCollum was just so solid. She was such a playmaker. And it was really funny because usually you see that wing attack going for the second and third ball and being that constant influence in attack. And instead it was McCollum doing a wealth of work outside the circle and then getting inside the circle and t- putting up shots. I was just so impressed by her. She's really slotted in quite nicely. And I think it's also exciting to see that Georgia Heffernan got a, got some minutes into her because I think she's another one that will probably be a player to watch in the future for the Silver Ferns even because she is a very – she's a tall player. She's quite athletic, so she's an exciting prospect. Yeah, I think there's, there's there were some great prospects on the court here. I think you talked about earlier the defence for the tactics and Watson and Fakakotau. I think Watson is personally one of my favourite defenders oh, in the world. She is, she is an absolute gem, and I think I, I love watching her play every time. But she got two goal assists playing goal defence. <laughs> she, she obviously three feeds, but two goal assists from goal defence, that's just crazy that she's able to do that alongside getting three intercepts and doing all the defensive work that she does. She's just an absolute star. She's the complete package, and she's the captain of that team, and you can really show – you can really tell that – how much it means to her to be out on court and to be a real driving force for them. Last year wasn't the best year for them. They were quite up and down. You know, they weren't hap- they wouldn't be happy with how it is, how it went. So this year you can tell that they're really looking to become that more defensive uh, style team and really just penetrate through the attack when they can. So I think the recruitment of Tapia Selby Rickett has also done wonders for them because they've often lacked that link into the goal circle. So I think that that showed in this game as well. 
Yeah, what I really liked about Selby Rickett is she wasn't afraid to not be the predominant shooter. And you'll see it more in the last game where it was a really even um, scoring. But Selby Rickett and Ellie Bird really shared that, uh, didn't share that role in this match, actually. Um, but Selby Rickett was so good on those long bombs and racked up 15 assists as she did so. She played a really good assisting um, role and then was able to pull it out when she needed to. And I just thought she was so good, especially against her sister in Tehuinga. Selby Rickett. It yeah. was it was a really funny battle, actually. It's no easy feat going up against your sister or someone that you'd know really well to then just be like, all right, watch me and kind of put on your own show. I mean, a par- the parents of the t- of the sisters would have just been sitting there like, ah, oh, what's happening? <laughs> Which team do I go for? It would mean such a tricky situation. I think, just, I think you just kind of, if it was me, I'd just go for the team that's winning. Yeah, that's that time, I think. Yeah. Um, but you got to spread the love between between both uh, daughters, so. Uh, an interesting game there, and as you said, very defensive, but it was the Tactics who were able to come out with the win. The third game of the round, and this one was the blowout that we were talking about, it was the Pulse up against the Northern Stars, and it was 63-39 to 39 in favour of the Pulse. And as we, as we said earlier, I think premiership favourites, but a, a dominant performance in round two, and uh, it's going to be hard to stop them this season. I loved every minute of this game because I think that, that the first quarter showed just that the stars were there and about and you thought, oh, okay, this could be a real, you know, um, close game. And then the second quarter came, the Pulse gave them a chance. They were even for the for a minute or two and then all of a sudden they just put the foot down, eight goals to 21. And it was just a incredible performance by the Pulse. That I don't think that they did anything wrong in that entire game. But most importantly, I was just so impressed by Maddie Gordon, the wing attack. She has just come on – oh, this – she just came on and just wowed me from the get-go. She was so speedy. Her passes into the circle were exceptional. And she was just in everything. She got – I'm pretty sure she maybe even got an intercept or something like that. Yeah, she got an intercept as well. She was just in everything. And for a wing attack, and she's only a very young wing attack, for her to be able to stand up in such a, a strong team and kind of, you know, shine considering the amount or the high calibre of players, it was just a really complete performance from her. Yeah, just bringing it back to that second quarter, 21 goals to eight. Aaliyah Don shot 18 from 18 in that quarter. For someone who's still so young, and obviously she's been in the Ferns um, in the extended squad for a little while, had a few chances there. Um, She really proved herself in this match. And yeah, that 18 from 18 in one quarter... Ridiculous numbers. It was insane. And she only missed two goals for the entire match. And obviously she's one of those goalers who's uh, a holding goaler typically and kind of sits underneath the goal circle or the the goal post and waits for the ball. But the way she does it is just so strong and she's really, really impressive. The thing is you can't just wait under the post if you're not good. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you have to be able to hold your space. You also have to be able to hold yourself there and keep the defenders at bay, whether it be with your footwork, your body positioning, and not only that, the ball placement and as well. And I think you can see that with Amelia Ann Ekinazio. She had a another strong game. I think she scored the first four goals or something for the Pulse. So she really set the tone in that attacking third. And while it took a little bit of time to for Dunn to get into the game, when the second quarter came, she just owned it. Yeah, I think that's the thing with this shooting circle for, for the Pulse. I think you can you don't really know who to put your, your effort into. I think if, you, if you're going to double Leah Dunn, Amelia and Ekinasio is going to yeah. <laughs> really hurt you. But if you then try to take Ekinasio out of the game, get it, leaving Dunn one-on-one is just a nightmare for any defender. So 
um, you don't want to come up against that. And they showed that they only missed four shots between them for the game. So uh, a massive game for those two. I think uh, Kelly Drury was really good in this one yeah, for the polls. Six intercepts in the game and um, a great defensive option for, for the polls. And obviously holding the stars to, to 39 goals for the game. It's just a great result for that team. It was really good to see as well. I think she came into the start of the season with a little bit of a shoulder niggle. So to see that she even had no strapping on the shoulder, yep. that it looked like it had fully recovered is a really promising sign. And it's also a very worrying sign for the teams that have to come up against such a strong defensive or just a strong team all around. But then again, you look at the Northern Stars and don't discredit the likes of Maya Wilson, who had her work cut out for her against Rore. And then she had um, Ali Temu at one stage, she had jury. So she had a whole heap of defenders up against her and she still managed 30 goals from 36 attempts. So that was an, a really impressive feat by her. Yeah, I was really impressed by um, Maya Wilson. But one thing I do want to mention is, like you said, there were three defenders that rotated through that defense. Kelly Jury racked up six intercepts in 40 minutes of gameplay. Yeah. And like, well, obviously it's a shorter game, but yeah, she just killed it out there. And obviously... I mean, it, the stars were not their typical selves. They didn't, they didn't really play the way that they would have wanted to play. Um, and it really showed in some of the disconnect across the court, almost in that attacking area in particular. But um, yeah, to come out and rack up six intercepts in only 40 minutes is just insane. And I think for the stars, so you're talking about Jury, but I think in the other position for the stars, goal, the goalkeeper in Ocean Mahai or... I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Sorry if I butchered that. Um, she actually came on and had a really strong presence. While it was only for a, a short amount of time, it was just her aerial ability to get hands to ball and kind of get in the feeder's mind when looking into Dunn. I think that she'll be another one to keep in the back of your mind because she can just kind of change the course of a game. While it didn't have a huge impact, you could at least see that in that last quarter when she was on, the Pulse only scored 11 goals. Now, I'm not saying that that's all credit to her, but it is in part due to her her like her like hops and her ability to kind of read the plays. So, yeah, it, while it was a disappointing performance by the Stars, I think you can't fault the Pulse's performance. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, it's just kind of you can you can do everything right, and but when you come up against the Pulse team and they're kind of on song, there's really there's nothing, no, there's nothing more they could have done and, and no way they could have stopped them. But then they, they come back the next day and they get a win up against the Tactics and, and six goals in that one. And you talk about Maya Wilson and she pl- did a great job against the Pulse and then it doesn't get any easier. She comes up against the Tactics with, as we said, Watson and Faka Hockatau and um, leads them to victory in the last game of the round, and it was 49 to 43 in favour of the Stars. What did you think of this game? Well, um, one thing I will say is that the tactics were all out of sorts. I think they, the commentary had said that there was a bit of a tummy bug going around the team. So uh, clearly you could see that quite a few of those players had been affected by that. But, but that, still full yeah, credit to the Stars. I was just though. about to say, full <laughs> credit to the Stars, though. They 100% capitalised on that and they made the tactics work for every single pass. And you could tell that that really took a toll on them and the Stars kind of just kicked it up a gear every time. So I think that was a really, really p- strong performance by the Stars. One thing I am a little bit worried about is Watson seemed a bit proppy on her knee and... She spent some time off for a little bit and then came back on, but she never looked 100% comfortable. So I am a little bit worried about what it is 
probably just a little niggle or a knock or something like that, but it was heavily strapped. Yeah, after the game, I'm pretty sure she said she'd just gotten a little bit of a knock, but it would probably be okay. And at the end of the day, I, you kind of have got to wonder, would they have put her back on the court if they thought there was a chance of it being anything bad and I would typically say no so unless they're really assuming that there's going to be no international netball this year so (laughs) as far as far as that goes I'm not too worried she didn't she wasn't her usual self though and that's where I'm like why bother putting her back on obviously even if it's not a big deal if she's not going to be able to play to her full potential give that opportunity to someone else especially in the last quarter yeah the tactics came back they won the last quarter um reduced that margin a little bit but with five minutes to go or a little bit longer to go, I'm not entirely sure the timing, um, Fucker Hockertow came off and Watson went back into goalkeeper. Yeah. Now, why wouldn't they just put Watson off for that last bit? Like, obviously, Fucker Hockertow had a – she had a stellar first quarter. She was so impressive. And then after that, she kind of faded away. And it was kind of around that same time when Watson uh, hurt her knee. So, it was, it was just a bit of a weird match. But the Northern Stars absolutely killed it. And they – looked a little bit wobbly in the first quarter but they still managed to win that first quarter like the stars um I was having a look at it and I was like clearly the connection is a little bit off they weren't quite getting those feeds pinpoint to Maya Wilson or Jamie Hume and then all of a sudden Grace Carter just turned on and they were unstoppable yeah well in her 150th game she kind of made sure that she you know, was well and truly a key figure in the in the team. But I think I'd like to touch on Jamie Hume. She'd had a bit of a quiet game the night before, very inconsistent. And I think she came to the Stars looking for that uh, some more continuity and, you know, really to blossom as a shooter. And I think she did that this game. She was actually quite strong. Yes, she scored 12 from 19, probably not at a as high a percentage as she would have liked. But the fact that she really commanded the ball and her movement was really, really strong. It kind of drew the defenders away from Wilson. And I think that's what they need to do because Wilson is such a strong option under the post that if you can get her in a one-on-one, just like we were saying with Dunn, she's unstoppable. And the thing is she can shoot them and she can also shoot from range. So the fact that Hume you know, drew the defenders away with her strong drives, allowed that circle to move a lot freer. And I think that's probably a key reason why the Stars were able to get on top. Yeah, it was definitely an impressive performance all round. And I think it's going to be interesting throughout the rest of this season when that, that final game of the round, or those, when those teams are playing the second game on a weekend, results can go either way really because it's going to be, it's going to come down to whichever team recovers better from their previous game and, um, I, th- I think it was just really impressive from the stars to, to come out after a 24-goal loss the, the night before to come out and win this game against a, a, a pretty good team in the tactics. So um, that was an impressive result. And that is all for round two of the ANZ Premiership. So it was just the Pulse and the Mystics are still the only undefeated teams in the competition. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in round three. We will move on now and we'll come back to Australia and into the Super Netball competition. And obviously... Uh, we're still waiting for August 1. We're still yeah. uh, just hanging on to, to that date. It's getting but closer it's and getting closer. It's getting closer and closer every week. But still um, no fixture. Yeah. We'll, we'll wait <laughs> we just have no idea what there. to expect. Um, but there's been a little bit of news coming out, uh, mostly from the Magpies, and we'll start off there. And uh, we'll start off with their leadership for 2020, and it has been announced that Matty Brown and Jeeva Mentor will lead the Magpies as co-captains in 2020, and uh, Kelsey Brown will be the vice-captain there. Um 
pretends to be shocked. Yeah, that that yeah I was going to say, not, re- not really a, sh- a shocking announcement. I think two great leaders, but um, it might be a long year for the Magpies. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> yep. I think you pretty much summed it up there. I think that I think that their leadership will have to be very, very strong this season. Clearly, clearly we didn't get to see Maddie last year. So she'll be looking for a big season this year. And I think Jeeva will really have to lead that defensive end with Garrett and Jodie Ann Ward. So it'll be an interesting year, that's for sure. And the other news coming out of the Magpies is they've signed uh, Molly Jovic as a permanent squad member for this season, replacing Ash Brazel, who unfortunately... Uh, oh, don't bring up the pain. Did an ACL <laughs> in an AFLW match for, for Collingwood uh, back in February, so she's going to miss the season, which is very unfortunate because Ouch. we love Braz here at the Centre Pass Podcast. <laughs> um, the other one is Callie Altman, who's signed as a replacement player for uh, Kelsey Brown as she works her way back into um, kind of match fitness and into the Super Netball. But uh, she played, she's played with the Adelaide Thunderbirds for the last three seasons, Altman. Um, and has done a good job at times. I think she's just struggled with a bit of consistency, but I think that's a pretty good signing for the Magpies to, to replace Kelsey. Yeah, I actually really liked Altman last year whenever she took the court. The The issue was just that, the consistency, because the thing with the Thunderbirds last year was that they rotated their midcourt quite a lot, and obviously they had to once they lost Beth Cobden and they had patches here and there. Obviously, they ended up getting um, Shadeen Vandermeerver, but... At the end of the day, she's actually a really quality young Aussie and she definitely has the ability to do it. So it's about whether she's able to get that game time and kind of develop her craft more because that's really what's going to push her to the next level. And that's the same thing with Molly Jovic when you think about it. This is, you know, a a shout out to the ANL, the fact (laughs) that she was allowed to, or not allowed, but was given that opportunity to ply her trade. I'm pretty sure she was with the Tasmanian Magpies. So she was able to ply her trade in that in that league and then clearly now they've seen the skill that she has and she's able to take and looking to take that step up in her game. So the fact that she's been given this opportunity is a really exciting prospect. Yeah, I think both of these players come through the a and I'm just reading about Altman. She was with the Southern Force, obviously, with uh, for, within the A&L for, for six years and was named uh, the most valuable player in 2017 and 2018, then got the call up to Super Netball in 2019. So hopefully... The trajectory keeps rising for her and she, she keeps impressing at the Super Netball level. And obviously, as you said, Molly Jovic has played with the Magpies but was also with the Victorian Fury before that. So uh, great. it's great for the ANL. It's, <laughs> it's a great look when you see these players coming through and getting these Super Netball spots. But obviously, we won't see that competition this year, which is going to be disappointing. And just finally, uh, it's not so much... We'll, we'll wait and see how it impacts the Super Netball competition. But... Obviously, with restrictions due to the COVID-19, COVID-19 pandemic, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Super Netball because of, first of all, crowds at some matches. I think, especially over in Perth, they're, they're looking at holding um, big crowds at some sporting events, and that'll be great for the fever. But in Victoria, where we are, it's, it's been a bit of a disappointing couple yeah. of weeks. And <laughs> restrictions are being uh, pulled back a little bit, and it's, it doesn't look like there's going to be crowds at the... Uh, Vixens and Magpies games at the start of the season, but hopefully we can get them later on in 2020. Yeah, all the other states are flexing a bit, I'd say, <laughs> you know, but I think that 
crowds will be a huge thing. We've seen the influence, especially when you look at the Fever lineup. You've seen the influence that they can have. They're almost that eighth player. So the fact that the Vixens and and Magpies could potentially be without a crowd could have uh, a sway on some games. But at the same time, these guys are professional athletes. So they'd have to be able to generate that own intensity, momentum and, and all of that. So... While it might be disappointing for fans, hopefully there is some way that crowds can attend games. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm like, hopefully the crowds will be able to attend because we saw the ANZ, they had really small crowds at, in Auckland um, for the second round this weekend and it made all the difference. I mean, watching some of the matches um, live at the beginning of the season when they had, I think it was the first two matches were in front of crowds and then they blocked crowds for the last two, um, it really changes things. Um, so yeah, I'm really interested to see what the go will be there because obviously some teams having crowds for their matches and other teams missing out will be really frustrating for those teams, but what can you do? Yeah, exactly. It's, we just got to be flexible. And and as you said, Taylor, these are professional athletes, so they're going to, they'll be able to perform whether there's crowds or not. So we're still waiting for August one and we're going to be waiting week by week for that, for the Suncom Super Netball to come back. Uh, but that is all we have time for this week on the Centre Pass podcast. Do go follow us at Centre Pass Pod on Twitter and do go to netball.draftcentral.com for all the latest news and reviews for netball around the world. Uh, we'll speak to you next week.